Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Joan Hamburg Show, and you've got a Hamburg today. You've got Liz Hamburg, while Mom Joan is taking a little bit of a break. Yes, she and I have done segments together for many, many years. Some of you may remember our old Launchpad segment on small business and entrepreneurs and New York Uncovered, where we used to discover great discoveries of New York. So I'm here with a little bit of news on my mom. She is doing great. She's taking a much needed break. You know my mom. She never, ever takes a break. In fact, I don't think she's ever missed a day of work, but she had a a minor medical procedure I'm very happy to say everything is fine. She's doing great, but she's resting up and she's going to be back with us in just a couple of weeks. In the meantime, I told her that I would help hold down the fort for her. She's trained me well. Many of you have been her listeners for many, many years and have grown up with us on the radio and off. You may remember that I've been an entrepreneur. I live in New York now, but have lived and worked and traveled across the world. I've worked in Japan. I even worked in Russia many, many years ago. And I'm currently the the founder and CEO of a company called Can Do Tech, where we do tech support and training for older people. I'm very proud to say that now Mom Joan is a not only is a, a client, but is a, a really terrific, she's really learned so much about technology. I'm so proud of her. She is uh, posting on social media and taking pictures and even Venmoing things and texting like crazy. So she's a, a big tech user. So what is going on? We are in the middle of summer. I don't know about you, but I can't believe I feel like we just blinked and the summer is almost over. We're going to be posting some pictures of mom's garden. Many of you know that she is typically out this time of year on the east end of Long Island. She has a house out there and her gardens are absolutely her pride and joy and i'm happy to say that they are in full swing they're blooming and i've been experimenting with my own box garden a raised bed garden i don't know if you guys have ever done that kind of garden too it's a it's a small vegetable garden because our property is usually flooded very very waterlogged we're on a a very uh, high water table next to a pond And plus the deer go crazy for the garden. So I have a small, about a four by four garden. And I'm happy to say that we are now flush with Swiss chard, with kale. The peas are starting to come up. We've got tons of fresh herbs and even some zucchinis coming up. So I've been cooking up a storm and getting really excited to see what's going on there over the next few weeks. I've also been out there with Annie, our dog, our beloved dog. It was my dad's dog. And when he passed away, I somehow inherited Annie. I'm not quite sure how that happened. Some people get major inheritances, and I inherited a very large and somewhat neurotic standard poodle. She's now 10 and a half years old, and she has actually been a lot of fun. And she loves being out at the beach. She loves running and playing ball and She's just been really, really fun to uh, to enjoy over the summer. So we've got a wonderful show coming up. You know, Mom has done so many amazing interviews over this last year, and we're pulling some of the best of them. So coming up, we've got Seth Myers, who's going to be talking about his best-selling book, I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. He actually has become a children's book author. 
And my cousin, Doug, is going to come along and we're going to talk about all sorts of things. Many of you remember my cousin, Doug. He is a, a filmmaker. He's been doing major movies. He's actually going to be going to space with Tom Cruise. If that actually comes to pass, we'll get an update. He's got a new movie that he's about to do with Jake Gyllenhaal. And he also has, he himself is a farmer. He's got a beautiful property on Martha's Vineyard where he's been growing all sorts of things that we're going to hear about in just a minute. So I've had a busy week and busy weekend. It was the last weekend of American Ballet Theater, ABT, their first season back at Lincoln Center since the pandemic. I have been really enjoying it. I went to see a couple of things, but uh, Romeo and Juliet over the weekend, just classic, beautiful, beautiful ballet. And I'm sorry I'm telling you this now because the season is over, but I will say keep your eyes out and get those tickets early. They'll be back in, uh, at Lincoln Center soon, and it's definitely worth seeing. You know, sometimes we forget just all the things in our backyard here. I feel like during the pandemic, we've kind of formed these little pods and cocoons and missed so many wonderful things about New York. But, uh, you know, now that things are opening up, it's just so great to go back to Lincoln Center, go back to Broadway, go back to all of the performances, especially so many performances outdoors. So get out and enjoy the beautiful weather and just enjoy the summer. We've got a great show coming up. Again, you've got a Hamburg, not Joan, but you've got Liz Hamburg today. We're going to be playing some of the best of Joan's interviews and she will be back very, very soon. I know she misses you all and is keeping up with all the news and is going to be back very soon to fill you in on all of her latest adventures while she's just been taking a few weeks off. So we'll be back in just a minute with cousin Doug Lyman. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz Hamburg, Joan Hamburg's daughter. Joan is taking a little much-needed break, so she's put me into the hot seat, the host seat here. And we, you know, for so many of you, I know that you have watched us grow up over the years as mom has been on the air now many, many years. And you've heard stories of cousin Doug and all the relatives. Doug is usually the one who hosts all of our Thanksgiving dinners and many of our holiday festivities at his loft down in Tribeca. So we managed to grab Doug. We never know exactly where in the world he is. We have to put like a GPS monitor on him, but I, I managed to grab him wherever he is right now. I know he's prepping for a new movie and he always has lots of adventures going on. So we just wanted to check in and see what's happening with cousin Doug Lyman, who aside from being our cousin is also a very well-known film director he has directed everything from the classic swingers to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, some wonderful, uh, wonderful films focusing on Valerie Plame, Fair Game, which is really one of my favorites, and some upcoming films that hopefully he'll fill us in on. Hi, Doug. Hey, Liz. Hey, Cousin Liz. So I know that you're that's, prepping. That's how you're known, you know, my friends. I know, always. throughout the world, even when I remember when I met Tom Cruise, who you've done a few movies now, and he actually came over and gave me a big hug and said, hey, Cousin Liz, how are you? So I guess my, my fate is sealed. So can you tell us what are you working on now? I know we had a hard time grabbing you. You're doing casting or something? Um, yeah, I'm uh, 
getting ready to start shooting a film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, it's a remake of Roadhouse. Um, people oh, may remember it from way back when with Patrick Swayze. Um, it's basically oh, a reinvention wow. of it, um, but it's a it's a it's going to be a really fun movie. And, and Jake and I have been wanting to work together for years, so really excited that we're finally. Yeah, this that. is the first time you've worked with him, but you've known him, right? Because you guys are both on Martha's Vineyard. I've known him from Martha's Vineyard, uh, and um, we're both friends with the Hot Farmer from Martha's Vineyard. Well, uh, now, legendary Doug, Hot Farmer. I, I don't know. Are you allowed to say the Hot Farmer's real name, or is that is that confidential? It's probably confidential now that the Hot Farmer's, you know, married to a big celebrity and not farming so much anymore. Exactly. But meanwhile, you fancy yourself a gentleman farmer, shall we say. I won't say a hot farmer, but a gentleman farmer. And I was very impressed. You came to visit us, visit my mom over the last couple of days, and you brought her some of your first tomatoes fresh from, was it the greenhouse or the garden? From the greenhouse. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very impressed. I'm a, I'm a, I was telling the audience about my little... Movies, I'm also a pig farmer. A pig farmer, which I object to, since I am not a I am not a meat eater. But you do have adorable chickens that lay some wonderful eggs. Well, we and do. You have a, we do have a uh, petition that goes every year about whether the pigs get slaughtered or not. And if you if you sign the petition saying you want to save the pigs and not have them be slaughtered, um, you don't get any meat in the fall. <laughs> well, and I'm really I love the honey. You have bee. Are you, do you still have bees this year? I do have bees. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a coward beekeeper, but I, I do have bees. You have bees. You have honey. You have blueberries. You have a fabulous. The garden. problem with bees I... is that they're, you know, they're like as long as you're not scared, they won't sting you. But I am scared of them, which means they're going to sting me. So I have good reason to be scared of them. It's this cycle that is very hard to break. Well, you have to try to face your fears. You should read, in fact, so coming up, we have Seth Meyers, an interview that he did with my mom, and the whole book is about facing your fears. Did you know he wrote a child, a children's book about being afraid? We might have to get you a copy. I, I did not know that. <laughs> we'll get you a copy so you're not afraid of the bees anymore. So speaking of I was, Seth. I was just with Seth, and he didn't, uh, he didn't mention he his didn't. children's book. He didn't mention it. So now you also knew Seth from from family and from being out on Martha's Vineyard. And you met Seth through his father-in-law, right? And you and his father-in-law share a very unusual connection. Um, yeah, we both have goats, or we had goats. His, his goat died. My goat is, 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 has lived some insanely long amount of time. Um, and uh, but we... we Seth's father-in-law had a goat, and I thought, that's kind of a fun pet to have. I'm going to get a goat. And so you then used I, to take I got your a goats, goat, and then we would take our goats to, to the beach them. together. And then Which my goat eclipsed, eclipsed Seth Meyer's goat because uh, my goat started to swim in the ocean, <laughs> which is extremely <laughs> unusual to have a goat that swims. <laughs> I mean, they're and very I must bad say, swimmers. They're always on the verge I, of drowning. I've met that goat, and it is not – I love animals. That is not a friendly goat. It's just mean to women and children, but if if you're neither of those categories, she's incredibly sweet. <laughs> she's very old. You know when they say he's a tough old goat? That really 
<laughs> yeah, that yeah. definitely that definitely describes Ruby. I don't know what you've done yeah. to train her, but she's you're the only one she doesn't seem to butt and kick and try to attack. I can't believe that thing is still alive. So tell me what range. It, she can go she anywhere is, she wants. That is a big problem. So what's coming out of the garden? What have you been cooking? And by the way, not only the garden, but what you're also known for your amazing pizza making skills and the pizza oven seems to be expanding every year. Have you been firing up the pizzas? Um, I have. I, uh, I made my pizza oven bigger during the pandemic. That was one of my pandemic projects. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then I'm just cooking everything in it, in the pizza oven, you know, so it's, it's, uh, my new thing that I, you know, uh, if any of your listeners can, can, call them with tips before I cut off a finger is uh, cooking corn in the pizza oven, but I cut it into quarters. And when I mean quarters, like I make it uh, like lengthwise. Oh um, no. It's you need a device. Hard. I, I mean, I, I bought one of those sharpening stones to make my knives sharper to oh, try no. to, you know, I saw a professional chef do it and they sort of just leaned on the knife and they were able to, you know, cut the, corn lengthwise in half and then take the two halves, put it down and then cut each of those halves in half. So you end up with four long pieces of corn and then you just throw it in the pizza oven with like a little bit of butter. And it's, it's amazing. It sounds but, delicious, but you're not growing corn this year, are you? No, no. I, I actually just bought some corn at, at the market in Union Square. All right. Meanwhile, we're talking to cousin Doug Lyman, otherwise known as film director Doug Lyman, who's prepping for his latest film with Jake Gyllenhaal going down to film in Dominican Republic, right? That sounds like a good place for us all to visit. Um, well, it won't have been your first time visiting because we're actually going back to a place that, you know, just like, like where we invited cousin Liz uh, when I was a, uh, when we were all in high school together. My family used so to go we- down to the Dominican Republic to holiday and, and uh, we went as children, and I'll never forget that and your everyone. brother at the time was learning to drive, but he didn't know how to drive stick shift. So he was driving, and you were probably, what, 14 or 15 at the time, and you were you were working the stick shift while he was actually working the accelerator yeah. and the brakes, and it's a miracle yeah. that we're all still alive. <laughs> and also, you know, you, you, you come from a, you know, a foodie family. You know, Joan is, is such a foodie, and, and uh, you know, it's amazing at your house. You know, if you if you show up anywhere around mealtime, the number of people that just randomly pop in, knowing that there's going to be something delicious being served, and uh, and I'm one of them. You know, so I, I shouldn't make fun of the other people that seem to show up around mealtime. Um, but that, you know, you would come on holiday with my family, and and my mom is not a foodie, and and you may or may not remember that. You know, all we were allowed to eat while we were in the Dominican Republic was canned tuna fish. I do remember. Um, in my fact, mom I had still brought hate... from New York. We were, we were not New allowed York. to buy like French fries from the beach shack. On the plane. I still remember. And I still do not like eating canned tuna. I think I have, you know, bad memories of that. But otherwise, lots of fun. And but you're Joan is not there... serving canned tuna. When you, if you that show is... up at, at, the, at, at the Hamburgs at mealtime, you can be sure you're not getting canned tuna. You're going to get something way more delicious. Definitely true. So you're heading down there. What's going on with COVID protocols and films? Are you guys just like all everything off now? Or are you still doing regular testing? What's going to, how are you going to do this now that the wave is hitting again? Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I just recovered from COVID like a, a week ago. So 
I get uh, 45 days where I don't have to be tested. Um, but otherwise, you know, if you if you're not if you haven't recovered within the last 45 days, you know, it's regular testing and it, it's it's going to be tough. You know, people have to, you know, people may remember when there was an outburst on, on Tom Cruise's set and, you know, Tom's a good friend and he, his heart is totally in the right place. And he's like, he wants to keep the movie business going. And, and um, you know, the reality is that, you know, you have to be responsible when you're making a movie. You can't necessarily go out and socialize and, and the way you might have before the pandemic, because if you get sick and bring it to the set, you know, you can, you can, the whole film can shut down. Yeah. No, it's a big problem. Well, you guys are going to be on an island, so maybe that helps a little bit because you're sort of in isolate, yeah, self-imposed isolation. It's, it's one of the uh, Dominican Republic's one of the hotspots on the planet right now. Oh no! Oh no! Well, hopefully you guys are going to be safe. But I know a City, place, right? That is that is true. I know a place where you're going, where you're going to be potentially going, where you're going to be very very isolated. There's been. Uh, you know, public information, of course, but uh, anything else you can share with us about you and Tom Cruise and going to film at the space station? Um, is that, is no, that real? Are the a, rumors uh, true? <laughs> um, it is something we're working on. And uh, it is true that you, uh, you do quarantine before you go into outer space so that um, you don't bring um, anything um, up there with you. Um, so it is one of the sort of challenges for talking about making a movie in outer space is the, uh, you know, what happens if, if somebody comes down with a cold and you weren't even worried about COVID when we started this, but, you know, comes down with a cold right before launch, um, you know, the traditional, what do they do? Uh, what do they do? They well, kick traditionally you off? they have a B, they have a B crew and a C crew so that if somebody in the A crew gets, gets a cold, they just switch to the B crew and the C crew and, and, that was one of the first things that came up is they're like, well, if Tom Cruise gets a, you know, gets a cold, who's the, uh, who's the B, who's the, who's the B Tom Cruise. The B actor? <laughs> who, who, I was like, there is no B actor. It's Tom Cruise. There's no, there's no other Tom Cruise. Oh my God. And they're like, you know, you know, spacefaring and, you know, and the uniqueness of a movie star don't necessarily, you know, like astronauts are sort of interchangeable. They need to be because, like once you fuel the rocket, it's got to go. That's incredible. Well, hopefully he'll isolate and stay safe. And that's, you know me, I'm excited for you, but nervous. I can't believe that's going to be, we're all going to be biting our nails if that really happens. And you're there for what, 30 days, 60 days? Yeah, I don't think I'm allowed to say how long we're going up for. All right. But more than a few hours. It's not like a like what happened with the, you know, the, the recent rockets where they went up and five minutes later they were back down. Yeah, and no, speaking I mean, of that, whole, what, yeah, speaking of what, there's a whole, no, I was going to say there's, the food up there, you've been known to bring your own mac and cheese. When we go away, you're a little bit of a picky eater. So what are you going to eat in space? Yeah. You know, I was like, uh, you do get to bring your, your own food up. I mean, I just, you know, as you pointed out, like you never quite know where you're going to find me. And, and I was in Ukraine this spring and, and um, you know, I knew there'd be a problem with food and, and brought uh, my own macaroni and cheese with me to try to live on for a few weeks. Um, mm. It didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. That was an well, unbelievable there was no, there was experience. No way to cook it. 
I know that you spoke, you did an interview with my mom from, was it from Ukraine or right when you get, got back? I know that that was no, unbelievable. I was, I was walking down a highway because there, there had just been a battle and there was no way to drive. So I was just walking and I, you know, but I had phone service and I did an interview with your mom walking down this highway. It was really surreal. Mm, unbelievable. We're speaking I mean, I to, to Doug Lyman, you, which thankfully you did and you got out, you were there. It sounded like an unbelievable experience. And if you're just joining us, we're speaking to Doug Lyman, film director, and you may not recognize this Hamburg voice. I'm Liz Hamburg filling in for mom, Joan Hamburg, who's taking a few few weeks off, some much needed rest for someone who never sits still. She actually is sort of sitting still and and uh, recuperating from something that she is going to be completely back in action for in just a couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. And Doug, I know that you've taken lots of time. So anything else that you are that you're working on that we should know about? You've got this project, you've got you've got the space project, you're always mentoring young filmmakers as well. Anything that we should know about to, to be on the lookout for? Um, I've got a, a series uh, I just shot for Netflix um, that should be out, uh, you know, maybe, you know, in the next four to six months. Um, but there's a, a brilliant young actor, Noah Centineo, um, who I loved working with. It's a spy action show. So, you know, oh. I haven't really, since Born Identity, I haven't really gone back into the the world of spycraft. It's, it's, it's more comedic, way more comedic than Born Identity, but... Uh, but I, I, I do love Spy, so I was really, um, really had a great time uh, doing that. And, you know, we got to also shoot in Vienna, which is like kind of such a, a great place to do a spy show. Yeah, you love Vienna, right? I know you were you were calling me or messaging me from there, asking for food recommendations, of course, also. But it sounded like you had a great time. Which trip. you actually had. You steered me to I a have- great the restaurant that made the original cauliflower. They're like the original roasted cauliflower. By the way, that restaurant, Miznon, M-I-Z-N-O-N, has two branches in New York. For some reason, it's not as delicious as it is. It was originally from Israel, from Tel Aviv. They've opened in Vienna, which is where I discovered them. But they do have two branches in New York. If you are interested in tasting that whole roasted cauliflower, it's a great Great restaurant and a pretty. I mean, I don't know how a restaurant can say that they they're the your first people to roast a cauliflower, but that's their claim to fame. That is their claim to fame, and they still throw it out right just on a big piece of paper or newsprint. They don't give you. They do on a piece of parchment or newspaper. Yeah. Yeah, that's really really fun. Well, of course, of course, the Emmys came out this week. Speaking of Netflix, I mean, it's all sort of merging right between you don't know what's TV, what's film anymore because it's all streaming anyway right any surprises you don't really watch much tv it's kind of interesting for someone who's so into storytelling but did you see that the emmys came out yeah no but because i'm into making stuff so it's like yeah i'm a little bit hyperactive so the the idea of like trying to sit still to watch something is, is a little tough for me to do um but you know with all the talk of streaming the reality is it's movies are back um you know, and I think Tom Cruise is, is you know, so so honored to to consider him a friend, given how hard he fought, you know, for movies, 
you know, versus streaming and, you know, movies are, you know, more successful than ever right now at this well, moment. That- are they in theaters or just in general? Absolutely. No, they're, you know, the store that just came out, set records. Tom Cruise obviously had his best opening, you know. It's, we are. That uh, movie you know, and Tom Cruise, you're talking about love, the revised. People love people going to love movies. going to the movies. They well, like although, sitting with. I although, will say. And you're talking about the Tom Cruise, the new Top Gun, which I loved. It was the first movie that I saw in a theater since the pandemic. But I had a horrible movie going experience because I think and I won't mention the theater. It was someplace in Manhattan, but it was a packed house and people were treating it like their living room. I think because we're so used to watching movies at home. Everyone was getting up, going to the bathroom, slamming the door. There were kids running up and down the aisle. People were doing what you always do, which is opening candy wrappers very loudly, munching on their popcorn. It was like being in someone's living room, but with hundreds of people. And I have to say, it was a little bit distracting. I love the movie. It was a wonderful movie and absolutely 100%. You should see it on a big screen. But I think that people need to go back to movie watching etiquette and not think that they're in their living room. Well, the, well, the Hamburgs have a little OCD, so it may be a little <laughs> bit of that uh, creeping in. That may be it. Did you see it yet? Did you see it in movie theater or you saw it in privately? Uh, I saw it you both ways. You got it. It's such a good movie. It's a really, really good movie. And then I saw, of course, the original one is now back streaming. So if you haven't seen it, Go watch both of them. It is definitely worth it. And he is terrific. I will say that was a great one. So that's going to be a hard one to top. But I think getting him into space may may actually top, top gun. Well, Doug, I know you've got to run back to your casting. We can't wait to hear how the filming's going. I'm sure that mom will check in with you while you're there. Yeah, we'll I really appreciate you from the Dominican Republic. Appreciate your taking the time. We might need to broadcast from down there. Maybe we uh, we need I to might, talk might, to ABC. <laughs> I might, might bring a can of tuna just for old time's sake if you come just down. Just for old time's sake. That sounds good. Doug Lyman, thank you for checking in. I'm Liz Hamburg, filling in for Mother Joan Hamburg. And coming up as we talked about Seth Meyers, good friend of Doug Lyman is going to talk about his experience being a child children's book author. So stay tuned for that. More coming up. You're listening to WABC Radio. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, I'm Liz Hamburg filling in for mom, Joan Hamburg, who's taking a few weeks off and has given me the the host chair for a little bit to fill you in. And we have an interview that mom did with Seth Meyers recently. Seth, of course, you probably know, is best known as a late night host. He was also a writer and on Saturday Night Live for many, many years. But what you may not know or remember is that he's now a best-selling author of a children's book called I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. So great interview where you're going to hear a little bit more about his inspiration for that. And of course, we just heard Cousin Doug talking about his own experience with Seth. The story of the goat is probably his most famous. They used to take their goats onto the beach and Martha's Vineyard together. That was quite a sight to see. And this interview, you're really going to love. I loved hearing Seth talk about 
really, when he was young, some of his fears, including his fear of going on stage, which is hard to believe because he's just so confident when he's out there. And also hear what it was like to do his show from his attic during the pandemic for almost two years. And then what came out as a result of the pandemic, how the show changed. So it's a great interview. I know you're going to enjoy and it's going to be up right now. Again, I'm Liz Hamburg, and you're listening to 77 WABC Radio. Here's Seth Myers. I love talking to Seth Myers, And, you know, he's an award-winning writer. He's a comedian late night with Seth Myers. He was out of school just a handful of years, so sort of eat your heart out when he landed a job for Saturday Night Live. Like, how did that happen? But it happened. And he never looked back. And now Seth has a best-selling book called I'm Not Scared, You're Scared, with wonderful illustrations. And it's the story of a bear, a great big bear, who is scared of almost everything. And his best friend, a little bunny, is scared of nothing. And this book explains to you how the scaredy cat rose to the occasion when he had to. So congratulations, a best-selling book. Were you scared when you were a kid? I was scared. I was scared of a great many things. And I think I was very lucky to have parents who were the right kind of parents to raise a scared kid. They didn't necessarily tell me to just get over it. They were good listeners. They helped me work through my fears. Because I think ultimately with your kids, what I'm finding now is you can tell them all you want that something's not actually scary. Ultimately, they have to come to that decision on their own. So uh, you just go on that journey with them. And scared as a kid is one thing. Scared as a grown-up. I mean, we have terrible things in the world that scare us. But it's also very scary being a comic and trying to go out there and making people laugh. How did you deal with that? Did that phase you, or you just felt you could go ahead and do it when you started? When I was a young comedian, I mean, that was the hardest part, was just getting over that initial fear of of being able to walk out on stage in front of people. Back in, I remember in high school, I really wanted to do school plays, but I could not even bring myself to audition for them. I was just too terrified by it. And it wasn't until I found my way into college and, and I saw an improv troupe. And that made me think, oh, thinking fast on my feet might be a thing that I could thrive at. And so that was my sort of gateway into being on stage, was doing improv comedy and then very slowly working my way, obviously through the many hurdles after that. But yeah, stage fright, you know, I know it's a fear that a lot of people have. And, and I think most performers had it at one point too. And I still get a little bit of anxiety before I go out on stage. Um, and to some degree, I think anxiety is, is a helpful companion at times because it, it helps you sort of focus in on the task at hand. And I think that's helpful. But even as a writer, the big job that you got when you were only, what, five, six years out of college? Yeah. Saturday Night Live. Was that, now that was probably collaborative, right? Was that a group activity at that time? No. The way SNL works is you sort of, you can collaborate with maybe one or two other people, but you're sort of on your own. They give you a computer in an office and... You know, when you start, you share your office with a couple of people. I was lucky enough that 
our sense of the humor lined up, but other people weren't. And you just sit there and look at a blank piece of paper and think, what am I going to write this week for a show that I've watched since I was a kid? And I'm going to have it read by movie stars that I've known my whole life and, and hope that it goes well in front of the comedians I most respect in the world. It was a daunting task. And, and, you know, I think having lived through that period of professional anxiety makes everything after that a little bit easier to bear because that was the scariest it ever was. But as a grown up with all of us, with a lot of issues, but how did you deal with the pandemic and did your kids think about it or were they too young? They were mercifully too young. I think they had their own challenges insofar as they were out of school, obviously, like everyone else's kids. But, you know, they were when it started four and two. So it wasn't a fear so much for them as it was for us. But the silver lining was we got to be together more than we would have been had I been doing the show in the studio. And so for basically a full year, I was doing the show out of the studio to some degree and getting to spend more time with my kids. So it was a, it was a trippy time. It was a creatively exhilarating time. You know, you do a show in a studio and the longer you do it in the studio, um, there are things you just start taking for granted. And all of a sudden I was doing it in an attic and having to figure out how to do lights and sound and makeup and, and everything that I had just turned over to skilled professionals, (laughs) but it was, you know, the kind of challenge you don't expect to get that late in your career. And I came out the other side of it and I think the show's better. And I also think I appreciate the people I work with more than I ever have. And I think I appreciated them a lot beforehand, but now more than ever. You get it. And it seems to me, even watching it now, maybe this is just because of our times that the relationship with the audience changes a little. It does. yeah. So tell me what that was like when you first came back and there were these adoring people, you know, loving you, laughing, clapping, making you feel like, hey, this is me. I can do this. Well, you know, the stripped down version of the show where you're alone in an attic and you're doing the show into an iPad and then you realize a lot of people are just watching the show on an iPad. And so by removing the studio audience, I felt closer to the audience than I ever had before. And so I was a little worried, to be honest, about going back into the studio and being in front of 180 audience members every night. But it was really emotional the first night they came back, because when I walked out, I felt from them not just that they were an audience, but that they were the audience that had been watching me at home. And it wasn't that. I'd been away from them physically. I'd been away from them for two years, but uh, they'd been with me and I'd been with them. And so that closeness has continued uh, as we, as we've started doing the show with, with a more, you know, normal routine again. Right. I'm talking to Seth Myers, and you see him, I hope every night, an Emmy award winning writer, comedian, late night with Seth Myers used to be the head writer on Saturday night live a brand new children's book, I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. Did your kids 
get upset because you thought they were scared or did they feel relief with the book? I don't know if they thought either of those. They mostly were just really happy that they were mentioned in the dedications at the end. Uh-huh. I think they're happiest to show their names in print to their friends. They were really helpful through the whole process. Like, you know, was so much of why I wanted to write a children's book is because we read so many children's books. And I certainly didn't want to write the kind of book that my kids would put at the bottom of the pile. So the whole process before I even put pen to paper was telling them the story at night as a bedtime story first. And then it was so much fun to show them uh, the art as it came in from um, Rob Sag Jr., our incredible illustrator. And they've been a part of the process the whole time. And and they definitely feel, I think they talk about the book as though they had also co-authored it. And I just want to make it very clear on the show, Joan, they did not. I did all the work. They were just there. Okay. They were, they were in the room, but all the good ideas came from me. I certainly hope so. Seth Myers. <laughs> I'm not scared. You're scared. And when I read this really charming children's book, what a time. I mean, we have kids watching a war on television yeah. or seeing things. So I think about fear a lot because I feel scared. And I wonder how children do with it. What do you think? Is this having an impact on all these kids? I think it is. I think it obviously matters what age they are because, you know, the older kids get, they control their flow of information Mm -hmm. probably at a younger age than we were able to. But the biggest job for parents, it strikes me, is to try to leave your own anxiety at the door when you come home. Uh, Because I think kids ultimately are going to learn fear from the adults they have in their lives. And so while it's important to make sure your kids aren't living in a bubble, you don't want them to know what's going on in the world. At the same time, you want to make space to just be a family and to not let outside stresses color how you're living your life with each other. And being a writer and a comedian and all these things, the world has changed a lot. A funny, it seems to me, has changed. And yet I saw an old show that was brought back a revival that was a little tired, but I laughed throughout the entire show. And the person with me said, what was so funny? I said, all these familiar things, I don't care how t- tired, how stale they are, it was such a relief to laugh and be able to make fun of ourselves. And yes. then I, right? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it is um, a real credit to the comedy that's endured that it can still make you laugh. Right. I still remember Buddy Hackett in. The early days. Yeah, I, you know what? It's so uh, my YouTube algorithm always suggests old Johnny Carson clips to me because over the years right. I've just gone back and looked. And uh, Buddy Hackett is so much fun to go back and watch Rodney Dangerfield and Carson. Oh my God, laugh out Bob Euchre. It's just so much fun. It's so it's also patient, which is also a really nice thing to look back on. Is how much air there was and how much they were enjoying each other and how the audience was waiting on their every word. It's, it, it brings me great comfort to watch those old clips.
It does. And we wanted a laugh, which is why watching the Oscars the other night, which were a little boring until um, Will Smith broke the boredom cycle. Yes. And right. I mean, that was the best part of the Oscars. And I wouldn't he- say it was the best part of the Oscars. <laughs> I would say it was the worst part of the Oscars, but it would I would also argue I would never argue that it wasn't boring. It was it was certainly not boring, but it was not good. It was so unexpected because as the audience removed in front of a TV screen when that first happened, we didn't know should is this a funny bit? Are we going to yeah. laugh? So I mean, I bet, I bet until the moment it happened, uh, Chris Rock felt the same way. <laughs> you know, it must have, he must have been wondering if this was going to be a bit too. But you know what? He did good because he just carried on ignoring yeah. the blip in a way and just went right on. And I thought that was pretty good. I said to my writers, if I got slapped, we would cancel shows until July. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, so and you'd I, have shrinks up the kazoo coming yeah. <laughs> to explain what happened. <laughs> but uh, really, a crazy time. What's appropriate and what's not? And is there an answer? Do you punish a guy for like a mental lapse? They couldn't get him out, apparently, of the room. Yes. I mean, I I, I think that uh, it was more than a mental lapse. I don't quite know if there if a, a what the punishment is but i Uh yeah i wouldn't write it off as just a mental lapse there was a lot of there were a lot of outs there in the um in the moment he he decided to get up in the moment he did the slap right and and a lot of anger and as how do you really handle this if you're a chris rock was that the right thing to just step over it and go on i think uh, it's it's almost unfair to ask what was the right thing because right, when you think about how little time he had to think about it, um, I'm mostly just impressed that the speed in which he processed and recovered was uh, was just something to uh, something to observe. Right, and wh- when you think of the earlier comedians that we were talking about, there was a place for what some people would consider offensive. It just seemed better humored. It didn't seem angry. It was, we just thought it was funny. But yes. can we do that today? I don't, I don't know if that would work I think, today. I think, we, I think we can. I think there's a lot. I think comedy is actually uh, an incredibly robust, creative place right now. I think there are a lot of different voices in a way that there wasn't in the time we're talking about. You know, when we were talking about Johnny Carson... I do love those clips, but there was not um, a diversity of guests there that you see today. And so I think, yeah, it's great. We have new voices, new comedy voices. Comedy is a really great time, I actually think, to be a comedian. And I think that there's a little bit too much pearl clutching about what you can and can't say. Uh Um, You know, because I think that ultimately um, Chris Rock had every right to say that. And he wasn't the one that was at fault. I think we should all agree that people shouldn't get on stage and slap anyone. Exactly. Yeah. And so who knows what's going to happen. But your job of satirizing the news on a daily basis, practically, has that gotten harder and harder? Or um, it hasn't. It? It, you know, I, 
it, look, it's really cathartic to talk about the news for me. I think I'd be really depressed if I didn't have an outlet. And so I'm always thinking of it through the spectrum of how much worse it would be if I wasn't making jokes about it. And I'm hoping to provide that catharsis to the people that are listening as well. Um, certainly there are days where you wish you had any other job, but more often than not, I'm thrilled and, and feel very lucky and, and uh, want to take advantage of it and want to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by the people that make that possible. Right. I'm talking to Seth Meyers, a new book. I'm not scared. You're scared. But you do a lot, whether it's special lobby baby which was when one of your kids was born in the lobby of your apartment building, speaking of fear, and <laughs> you've, you've done all that. Do you ever, as I really thought about you when I watched a, this recent Broadway show, do you ever think about doing that to add that to the ledger? A Broadway show? Yeah, to write a show. I think... There's nothing I would ever rule out. The only tricky thing for me as we continue to have children and the job of father becomes the most important in my life is finding the time for other projects. But they're all they're all so exciting to me and you know, I'm so happy I found the time to write a children's book. I'm so happy I found the time to go do a stand-up special. But, you know, moving forward, the show takes a lot of my focus and obviously a lot of my time. And, and I want to make sure there's also ample ample uh, time on the calendar to, to be just a dad because that's be the best of all the jobs. Right. And with a show like yours, do you get to rehearse it or no? So here's the thing. We don't anymore. We used to before the pandemic. Because we used to tape our show later, but then during the pandemic, we moved all our deadlines up out of necessity because, you know, when everybody was working at home, we had to feed all these giant digital files back into the network. And so we got really good at doing the show a little bit earlier. And also during the pandemic, obviously, there was no way to rehearse anything because there was no audience to rehearse in front of. And now we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and it, we really enjoy it. We, I think we work a lot harder on the writing knowing that we don't have the benefit of a rehearsal. And for me, as a performer, it's more exciting to be doing it for the first time at the actual taping. So that's one of the changes of the pandemic that we think has made the show a little bit more exciting. Yeah, well, it's a great show to watch. I got a big kick out of reading the book. Don't forget Seth Meyers. I'm not scared. You're scared with wonderful illustrations. Congratulations. I look forward to talking to you again. I'm really hoping the next time's in person. Will you invite me to one of your in-person tapings? I will, without question. Okay, good. I look forward right, to I look it. Forward Say to hello it. to everyone, right. and we'll talk again. All I'm right. Joan Thank Hamburg. you, Joan. Thank you, Seth. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC, so there's lots more to come. Stay tuned. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, I'm Liz Hamburg filling in for Mom Joan Hamburg on 77 WABC Radio. Mom's given me the, the host seat for now. She is taking a much needed rest and she'll be back with you soon. I'm sure she's going to be listening, but I hope that you've enjoyed some of her great interviews and enjoyed listening to Cousin Doug and me, and I hope that you've had a wonderful weekend. I can't believe that we're already in mid-July. My garden is blooming, 
as I told you in the beginning. And you know what? I've been inspired to make, I don't know if you've heard my mom give this recipe before. It's kind of our our go-to summer recipe. But for those of you that have an abundance of basil and there are fresh tomatoes that you can have access to, this is a really easy to make pasta. It feeds a million people. Uh, you not for your friends like mine who are dairy free or gluten free or this free or that free, but for those of us that eat cheese and and eat pasta, this is really a, a home run. So you just take some mozzarella. It can be little mozzarella balls, or you can cut up mozzarella. You can even shred it with your hands, and you put olive oil in a bowl. You put the mozzarella in. You put fresh basil. You definitely need lots of fresh basil, just chopped up fresh basil, or even you can just like tear it with your hands. It doesn't have to be in any particular, you know, perfectly cut pieces and lots of fresh juicy tomatoes. They can be cherry tomatoes. They can be plum tomatoes. Just cut them up, salt and pepper, mix it all up, let it sit for a little bit. If you like garlic, you can put garlic in. If you don't like garlic, you can leave garlic out. And once that's kind of all soaked together and absorbed the flavors, you just cook some pasta throw it in, toss it around, and you've got kind of a room temperature, but the mozzarella usually gets really melty and delicious. And then Parmesan cheese is really the key to that. Parmesan, a little more salt and pepper, and you've got an amazing, beautiful, colorful, great summer salad that you can take on a picnic or just keep in your fridge for when anyone needs to snack. It's our go-to recipe for the summer. And summer is in full swing, lots to do. Shakespeare in the Park is going on. You know what I've been doing? I know this is going to sound crazy. Pickleball. This is like the latest craze. You know, when I first heard about it, I said, oh, that's just for like retirees in Florida. But I'm telling you, it is all the rage. Young people are playing. Older people are playing. People who used to play tennis are playing. People who never play tennis are playing. So if you can find a court, take a lesson or grab a group of friends, it's kind of a cross between tennis and badminton and you can play singles you can play doubles it doesn't take a lot you know you can pick up a racket not very expensive the balls are kind of these big plastic balls with holes in them but it's become really really fun it's a great way to get exercise and a great way to socialize so check out pickleball this summer and let us know how it goes you can post your pickleball pictures on our our facebook page Anyway, it's been so much fun to reconnect with all of you. I've missed many of you I've grown up with over the years. I have been on the air with mom for 10 years. We did segments on entrepreneurs and small business and discoveries around New York, but I haven't been back on in a while. So it's been great to reconnect with you. I've been busy with my company, Can Do Tech, doing the tech support and training for older people, so which is much, much needed. And it's been so much fun. So again, enjoy your week. We'll let you know as soon as mom is back in the saddle. And in the meantime, have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'm Liz Hamburg. You've been listening to 77 WABC Radio, The Joan Hamburg Show.